my great joy to introduce to you the three musketeers hailing from the land of remote work. We have Marissa, career coach and queen of all. We have Jeff, our sassy SEO shaman. And we have Diego, who has spent his 20s building a community of remote working lunatics. Sure, these folks are going to be the people that will get you beach commute ready. And they'll do it in the most exciting way possible. So, happy listening. Hello, welcome to the Digital Nomad Experts podcast by Beach Commute. You've got Marissa here, and today I've got a really special guest. Her name is Alex. She is in Canada at the moment. We'll talk a little bit about who she is, where she's from, what she's doing in her digital nomad life, and what she's working on. So Alex, welcome to the show today. Thanks so much for having me on your podcast, allowing me the space to really share my story with your listeners a big shout out to Bradley Rice, my friend from episode 57. He connected me with you today. Yes. I'm really just so stoked yes. to be here. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> we'll mention Brad and I love that you know the episode. I'm like, I'd have to go back and look at the episode number. So 57, if we talk about Brad and some talent soccer stuff, he introduced us. I always love to talk to fun digital nomads who are doing cool things. So that's how we got introduced here. If you become a digital nomad, you'll start to see it's a really small, wonderful world where we all connect and it's fun. So Alex, yeah, tell us a little bit about just who you are, where you're from, and yeah, we'll, we'll get into your career history because you've got a really fun story about what you used to do to what you're doing today. But give us a quick history of yeah, who you are, where you came from. Of course. Well, my husband and I, we've officially been digital nomads since August of 2021. Ooh, so so little fairly over new. A year. Over, you've, you've passed the year mark, which is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's great. And we, we, we hail from one of the most beautiful places, in my opinion, in the world, San Diego, California. We more, we more or less grew up there together. Oh, cool. I've known my husband since middle school. I did not know that. <laughs> how did you guys start? I'm yeah. like, I love the personal stuff, too. So how did you guys start dating if you've known each other since middle school? Yeah, well, we were we all we were in band together <laughs> yes. um, since middle school and like went through high school band in San Diego. And we joked that we were secret lovers oh. through high school. <laughs> and anyways, that but yeah, that all happened. Like, I didn't know I'd be telling you. He went today. to college. <laughs> yeah, he he went to college up in British Columbia, and then I went to college because you're older than me. Then when he he kind of finally made his way back to California, I kept getting these texts like, "Hey, girl, how's it going?" <laughs> and so then we we reconnected, and yeah, now we're and now, now you're both digital we're, we're, we're forever together. <laughs> yeah, we're both digital Yes. Yeah. So what were both of you doing? So rewind kind of like right before you became nomadic or had nomadic jobs even because you had a pretty stationary job. But what sort of work were you both doing before this? Yeah, it's a good question. So I, well, he had, he had he'd been in tech for a while. So he was already working remotely. Okay. And uh, he's a data analyst, which is great. And I had worked more cross-sectorally as a first as environmental scientist and marine biologist in academia doing like research right and then I transitioned to the government as a park ranger I didn't even realize that was a job I could have as a marine scientist so I, I worked a little bit with the National Park Service as a marine scientist but also as a science communicator so I helped where were you based when you did that I was yep I was based in San Diego so the okay. San Diego has one one national park, the Cabrillo National Monument. They are, it's at the tip of Point Loma. It's actually, uh, it commemorates many things, but they do a lot of great science there. And no one really knew about it, right? It was like just kind of happening. And so my role there was to really translate the park science for the people. Right. 
Right. right. That's so cool. So you yeah. were very based in San Diego in this park where you had to be. Yes. Very, very based there. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love to hear. It's so cool. So many people have these jobs where like, this is where I am. This is what I do. I can't leave. So how did you, st- what, did you transition to anything else first before you started to get a remote job to travel? Or how did, did you decide you wanted to travel first? Or like, how did nomad life transition for you? Yeah, it's a good question. So from the government I kind of transitioned to work more like boundary spanning across different groups. So translating science for different people. But a lot of it was very community based work. So I understood okay. like I had to be there to do it. Right. And I love that work and I still do it in a more of consulting capacity right. on the side. But it wouldn't allow me to really ever leave. So hence the kind of need to transition to something else. Like, Did you and your husband have, were you sitting there at night together? Like, we want to travel the world. I want to be remote. Or like, did it kind of happen accidentally? Like, how did you decide to make that switch? Or did it happen to you by accident? Yeah, well, we had, we actually wanted to travel via like an RV or a sprinter van before the pandemic made it cool. I would just like to note that. <laughs> yeah, um, your time. Yeah, right. But we were kind of like in the this is how you live your life mode. Yeah. Um, and we had discovered, I mentioned earlier, the Choose a Fi podcast, the financial independence community in like 2019. And it kind of been like reeducating ourselves, I guess, on what life could cool. be designed like. Yeah, Ooh, that gives me chills. Right? And then, <laughs> then the Rona hit. And we were like, oh, well. But we still like believe that things could be pretty different. So we learned a lot in 2020. Coming from a science background, I saw the proverbial writing on the wall that we wouldn't be going anywhere anytime right. soon. Right. So all the money that we had been saving for this RV, we actually bought a condo in June of 2020. <laughs> exactly because you're like, oh. Yeah, well, and like it was the first time in San Diego that it wasn't a seller's market for like five Ooh. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> for like since for like the past decade, right? Yeah. And so... With, we, we kind of we hunkered down with the hopes that, hey, maybe we could get back to that that travel dream in the future. Right. Um, so we fast forward like a year. We had started formulating this plan of how we might travel more regularly. I knew that I probably had to explore other career options, right? That would allow okay. me to be more flexible work-wise. But I knew, I knew one thing that I did not want to go back to college because <laughs> I have spent a long time yes. in school. Yeah. I have a master's degree in ecology and I was like, I do not want to go back. And I'm on this financial independence track now. So I don't want to spend the money. And that is where like pivot, right? I met Brad, Bradley Rice and Anita Smith on the Choose FI podcast. I, I still remember the day. It was like, March, June, 2020. Yeah. Uh, And I was on a walk, which I do regularly. And they were like talking about this, like, oh, like Salesforce career and how I could skill up in their uh, Bradley's company. So the Talent Stacker Career Development Program. He's like six months or less. You can go from not knowing anything about Salesforce, which was me, right? I had no idea what Salesforce (laughs) was. Yeah. I was like, what? I think I'd like been to Salesforce Tower for a conference once. And and Anita had done it, right? She had gone through this program and switched her career. And so I was like, well, if she could do it, I think I could do it. And so that's kind of when we pulled the trigger on the plan. So I was like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to get into Talent Stacker. I did the, there's the Salesforce five-day challenge that you can kind of like is this the right path for me? I did it. I was still like, I don't really quite know what Salesforce <laughs> is, but it sounds like it's going to work. Like, I think I could do it. Right. Uh, and then I'll be free, right? I'll be free to go wherever I want. And so yes. that's kind of, that's what we did. 
I love it. I have a lot of things. One, we, when we were thinking about the name for this podcast or for our company, really, which is Beach Commute, which is really like we love to be by the beach. Like that's our commute instead of going to an office. But we were like, are we like freedom seekers? Freedom that like we, we had a lot around like freedom. We're like, these sound really cliche and annoying. But at the heart of it, it's really, you know, as a digital nomad, we value the freedom to like, like if you want to be in San Diego, you can. If you want to be in Canada, you can. If you want to be in Europe, you can. It's really just having the freedom, not being bound by a job to one place to be anywhere and do anything you want. So there's that. Another thing I want to hit on before kind of talking more about some Salesforce and what you learned and did is, is what you hit on of not wanting to go back, you said, to college, to school, to get, you know, graduate program, whatever that might be. We have so many people, I, th- I think, who just have the mindset of like, if I want to switch jobs or if I want to do this next big career, I'm going to have to go back to college, to school. And I love that you said this because it's so not the case. Sure, there are some careers where, you know, if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or some things where you have to have a certain education, sure. But like you said, there's these programs out there. There's free courses, there's paid courses, there's online courses, but they're like things you can do in your own time and remotely, not like $50,000, $100,000 to go into debt and go back to school. So Thank you for sharing that. And if you could share, so with Salesforce, I remember after talking to Brad, I was like, I don't even think we actually told anybody what Salesforce is. So for someone who is like, who is like in your shoes when you're coming from, you know, working for a state park, working in science, background, academia, and all of that. And you were like, Salesforce, like, I've never heard of this. Like, can you explain in simple terms, like what is Salesforce and what is like a job in Salesforce? Yeah, of course. So Salesforce is a type of CRM or customer relationship management program. So if you are dealing with clients or customers or community members and you need a way to kind of track them and you track your interactions with them, kind of have a one place where you go that you're like, I know everything about this person and how I've ever like interacted with them. (laughs) That is what Salesforce is, right? And so for my background and what really kind of got me hooked is I'd worked a lot in the community and kind of managing different community interactions. I was the queen of a spreadsheet, right? Like, man, (laughs) could I track things on spreadsheets, right? And what Salesforce does, it basically is like, here's all your spreadsheets in one amazing place that like talk, it's like a single source of truth. (laughs) And it was really effective because a lot of times, especially like in community-based work, it's, it's bootstrapped, right? There's not a lot of money. There's not a lot of time and people, you have really passionate people. So you don't have like time to be doing spreadsheets to be making reports and but you have you're required to right because you're like on grant money or like something like that and so salesforce is like an option to that right it's a solution for that and so i was like well i have all this knowledge of how to do those things like i have the on the ground business or like community business knowledge right of how to do those things so i think I could be a really great asset like for other people who wanted to potentially implement Salesforce to run their community organization or uh, maybe it's in the government or it's not necessarily, I, I guess it's used in higher education, but in a slightly different way than I would yeah. have used it for science. But my science background made me really applicable to this because I like knew how to look at data and I knew how to ask questions of data and how to kind of like look at the data and create yeah, answers, which that. is like all Salesforce is, right? And so despite coming from a completely different background, like I was perfect for it. (laughs) Yeah. 
I love so. that. I love it so much because so many people, and if you're listening and you're wanting to switch careers or do something new and you're thinking, you know, I do X, Y, and Z, it is a total different industry, whether it's you want to move into Salesforce or anything else. I love to teach as a career coach, like what are those transferable skills? Even if you haven't done that career, like you've probably done something and you've built skills, whether it's analytical or being able to talk to people or relate to emotions or look at data, you know, whatever it might be, even if it's for a totally different thing. And how can you take that and do something new? So if we want, I want to continue down your path here. So you you heard this podcast, you signed up for this five day challenge, which we'll actually link to in the show notes here. If anyone is interested in doing this in the future, you took the leap, you joined this program. And then what was the next you, how long did it take you to get a job and actually switch careers? Yeah, it's a good question. So with Talent Stacker, Bradley was always saying like six months, in six months, you can scale up from not knowing anything about Salesforce to landing a job and like right. getting your certification and landing a job around like 60K. And I was like, oh, that's that's great without having right. to go back to college. Yeah. And, so, and I think the numbers actually shifted now. I think it's now like on average people land a job in four and a half months at around like 70k so it's like between hey. 60 and 80 I'm like that's amazing <laughs> yeah. and so for me I was I was still working obviously I didn't want to make a jump without knowing that I could actually do it I think calculated so you risk. kept your job while you were kind of training and doing mm-hmm. the stuff okay yeah calculated risk I think is important here and so yeah I was training uh, there's a certification that you have to get there's many certifications but the first one you have to get is your administrator certification and so with Bradley's program I had kind of how do I how do I get that it takes a while to study for it it's a, quite a big test and so once I got that then I was like okay I can do this, right? Like I did it. Like I got the sir. I got the first yeah. the first hurdle. Yeah. And then with his program, there's all sorts of other things, right? Because like I said, I didn't have experience in Salesforce. I didn't have right. any of these things. And so there's this kind of real world simulated experience. So you do like a Salesforce build out. So say you have a client who needs Salesforce, like you are configuring it for them. And so I worked right. in a team to do that, got my like experience kind of got my my branding on point because I had never really used LinkedIn ever. Right. Like I had one, so no <laughs> right. one took my name, but Existed. like right. didn't really use it. And I was like, it's like weird Facebook for <laughs> professional, like who uses this? And so I completely like changed my mind about that just because right. I was like seeing so all these useful. people yeah. and like, I had a recruiter reach out to me for the first time in my whole life. I was like, whoa, <laughs> whoa. there's, wow. And so, yeah, it was kind of going through that process, practicing interviews, um, and really doing the whole kind of career development package through Talent Stacker. And then, right. yeah, as soon as I like kind of posted like, hey, I'm I'm certified, I'm ready for the job market, I have my experience, like it was, it happened like yeah, and it's awesome consulting. that that it has that built-in experience. So you almost had it almost is like you sort of did a, a job and have that job experience, even though it's just kind of a simulation. Because a big question and something we teach inside, we have a, a course where we help people get remote jobs as well. People say, okay, well, what if I want to I want to do this new job, but I have no experience, right? And I'm not going back to college. I'm not going to do that. So how do I? show experience, right? And that's a beautiful way to, you know, whether it's working for free for a nonprofit or having a friend who, you know, has a small company and, you know, you do it for free just to show that you can and show an example so that when you go to interview, you say like, here's the experience that I have. So I love that. So you got a job, you transitioned into this. Is this when you and your husband started nomading while you were working in this kind of Salesforce role or what came next for you guys? 
Yeah. So from there, we're like, okay, now that I have this kind of more more freedom, we can we can go right. Yeah. And so the first kind of place that we went was actually Canada, Victoria, <laughs> British Columbia, right here on Vancouver Island. And that was because my husband, who's Canadian citizen. Hadn't seen his family in almost two years oh, at that point. after COVID, yeah. And yeah. you completely quit your job at this point. I forgot to ask that little shift. Yes, I did. Okay. I mean, I was still like consulting here and there, okay. doing various projects. But uh, yeah, I was, I was, I was able to do that. Luckily, the, the the means to do that at this point, and then had pretty quickly started into my Salesforce job. So it wasn't that much of a, oh. a gap, right? And then yeah, so we came up to Canada. Literally, I think the weekend the border reopened. Oh. Uh, Amazing. And we stayed up here for a couple of months. Okay. So that that was great. We in order to do that, we 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 had packed up our house, right? We put everything that wouldn't fit into our Prius, our little red Prius in Aww. storage. Yeah. And we rented our house out and then we came up north for the fall. And it's amazing. Like I love I love Canada. The Canadians are amazing. Yeah. Um it was like last fall was one of the rainiest falls oh. we've had and they've had a long time. And like coming from Southern California. It was like a bit of a, oh my gosh, <laughs> a, shock. a San lot Diego of rain. Where the weather's perfect every day. <laughs> yeah. So I had to kind of like come to terms with like, oh, right. Pacific yes. Northwest is different. Right. <laughs> but it's really amazing. I want to point out too, because we have several people in the beach commute community who have gone through our course, gotten remote jobs. And the first thing they do is nomads isn't like fly to Thailand. It's actually going to stay with, we actually had someone else go to Canada for a couple of weeks. That's what she was living in LA actually too, and had family in Canada. We have a client who he was from Paris and his wife is from Indonesia. So after like they went to go live in Bali to be near her family. So yes, you can have the freedom to travel and do cool things. But also, like you said, if like maybe your spouse is or, you know, from somewhere else or you've been living away from your family and you just have the freedom to, yeah, to go be with family or be home or travel. And so I think it's awesome that you guys were able to do that. And how did you make the choice to rent out your place? Did you envision going for a couple of months and coming back? Or like, that's always a big question people have. Like, what do I do with my stuff? What do I do if whether I own a condo or rent an apartment or have a house? How did you guys make that decision? Yeah, well, I actually have to say to your point earlier, we didn't actually know that we were going to go for a year. Uh. So we, this is something I definitely recommend for people to, especially if you're hesitant to take the leap into going full digital nomad. Yes. Canada was like a test run, yes. right? The first time we came up here, we wanted to kind of do like MVP, like minimum viable product. <laughs> do uh, we like this? Yeah. Do we like this? Do we, can yeah. we like live in an Airbnb? Forever. Mm-hmm. You know, do we <laughs> actually want to buy? At first, we were going to get to the RV, right? We were going to do the RV thing. Um, right. And we are going to do it like abroad. We are going to go. We have family overseas <clears throat> and in Portugal. And we are going to cool. go there as soon as we are done in Canada. Like, so in the earlier this year. Um, right. At that point, COVID was very questionable still. And like the ability to travel overseas was pretty questionable. And so we had had to kind of readjust what that looked like. And because we were a little bit more nimble, we were able to do that like relatively easily. Again, we don't have children. We have pretty healthy parents. So we don't (laughs) have a lot of things that were like demanding of our our time or demanding of us to be in one place. So I will say that like asterisk here. (laughs) Everybody's situation is different. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But but yeah, so that's kind of how we, the the MVP was Canada round one. So I recommend everyone. (laughs) It must have gone well. Yeah. I did the same thing when I first started as well. I had a condo and I like moved all my clothes and, you know, like my stuff out, but I kept all my big furniture and that and I rented it to 
a couple for four months while I went all over Southeast Asia and I came back for the holidays and had like a New Year's wedding for a friend and stuff like that. So I was like, you know, I'll do this for four months. And if I love it, then I'll keep doing it. I can keep renting out my place to someone else. And if I hate it, well, then I still have my home to come back to in like those four months of my life. And now I know. So I highly recommend that strategy as well, too. I feel like we're like two responsible girls. We're like, all right, let's try this. We'll, we'll try it out and see. And if you love it. Okay. But then you did keep going. So how did, how did that transition after your kind of months in Canada and your home? And what did you guys do next? Yeah, it's a really good question. So we, we had been in, I can only stay in Canada for three months because I'm oh. a Canadian citizen. I know, sad. <laughs> Maybe one day in the future. But so we had, we had to come back. Okay. Uh, so we actually came back down to San Diego and we stayed with my parents for a little bit who actually lived down the street from my condo. Oh, um, because your place was still rented at the time? Yep. Okay. Um, and so we wanted to decide originally the plan, as I mentioned, was we we're going to go to Portugal. We we're going to go to the EU and with COVID being kind of in it where it was. And also because we were still working, we kind of were like, well, what is that going to look like? Like, are we just going to be there and like working weird hours because we still have to work? And or and like, is it going to be weird with COVID? Like all this kind of questions started coming up. So we're like, what if we postpone that? Like we work another year, like just put a bunch of money in the piggy bank and yeah. then we'll take a sabbatical in a year. So we'll okay. like mini retirement and then we'll just travel. We'd wanted to travel around the U.S. Right. And so I was like, we'll just keep this party going. Like we'll just <laughs> keep the Prius packed and like we'll go to all the different places we want to go in the U.S. So we didn't buy the RV. We just kept our Prius. Okay. Uh, okay. And we basically laid out a plan across the U.S. We're big or North America, really. We're, we're pretty big rock climbers. And so we wanted to be like, well, where are all the cool places we want to go rock climbing? That's awesome. Uh, and so we, we, there was like a huge list, right? Like we're like, we want to go to all of these places. And I was like, well, we only have a year <laughs> before we're kind of going to mini retirement in, in Portugal. And so we whittled down the list and we're like, okay, well, you get a price break for Airbnbs. This is a pro tip. If you stay in them for a month, there's a there's a big price. It's almost break. like a free week. Yeah, you almost get like a week free if, if you yeah. just stay a month. Sometimes it's yeah. cheaper to book four weeks than like... 24 days or something. It's like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, so we have 12 months. Where are different places? And we had to be in a certain places at certain times because we had some friends getting married in the States right. and also up in Canada. And so we kind of like laid out our little trip. So we started in, we started in Las Vegas in Red Rock <laughs> Canyon, which is cool. like amazing, amazing rock climbing. And then we stayed there for a month and then we kind of scooted out we went east. We stayed with some friends in, in New Mexico for a little bit because we hadn't seen them in a while. And then because it's really hard to just drive all the way across, like the U.S. is big, right? And I don't yeah, love driving. And so we yeah. kind of tried to break it up. But we, we shot over to Chattanooga, Tennessee and stayed there for a little bit, did some rock climbing. And we kind of had to plan it because we were outside. We had to plan it a little bit with the oh, seasons. Oh, like with the seasons, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're there for a little bit and then came to the Red River Gorge in Kentucky, which is just incredible rock climbing. Some of the best in North America. Um, How long, when you went to each of these rock climbing places, were you staying a, like a month in Tennessee and a month in Kentucky? Wow. So you're doing that, like you found an Airbnb, stayed there, working during the week, climbing mornings, nights, weekends, whatever that looked like for you guys. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. It was, cool. it was, it was really great. And yeah, I mean, you have different kind kinds of Airbnbs in these places, right? Um, <laughs> so that, that's always exciting. You never know what you're going to get, but we actually had planned because we planned the whole, like where we're going to be for the whole year. We, we got all the Airbnbs at once. 
right? Oh, so wow. we were able to like book everything, which is which is really helpful. Like, so you're still a digital nomad, but you have a plan. <laughs> That's so interesting. It's funny because the way so Jeff and Diego and I, the way we travel is like very different. I'm always like, I will never book anything. I'd have a one way flight if I go somewhere. Like it scares me to even have a next place booked because I don't know who I'll meet or where I'm gonna go. But it's so funny that you guys were like very different, very methodical, booked out everything, planned everything. So if you're listening and this is your style, you can do that too, which I love. Like you have the the freedom, right? Back to freedom to be whatever kind of nomad you like. So that's so cool. Yep. And it was actually, it helped out because, I mean, as inflation grew over this past year. Oh, you guys uh, were locked into prices. Yep. We had purchased everything ahead of time. And so that that was really helpful. We're we're doing our next leg kind of differently, more to like what you just said. Okay. We have like a a rough plan, but we're not like locking things in um, for a whole year. This (laughs) one, we just knew that that it was going to work for us and we knew where we needed to be and when. So we were just like, oh, this is easy. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. And the next leg for you is Europe. Yes, yeah, so we're we're here in Canada for two more weeks, ah, which is crazy. Ah. <laughs> and then we're gonna be in Washington because once we're done, not done, we'll see. Uh, once we <laughs> once the next leg is come to a close, we're looking to yeah. buy property in Washington. So we wanted to cool. check it out first before we right. did that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, why there? Why Washington? Because it's kind of well, my parents eventually want to relocate up to Washington from Southern okay. California, and my in laws live in Victoria, so it's kind it's of like an easy by. way, right. yeah, easy way where we can be in the states cool. still because of taxes and stuff and then still see everyone so we're pretty excited for that also good like the cascade mountains are there and beautiful right it's just beautiful yeah Um, and i love yeah i love this plan too so a lot of people you know if you're listening a lot of people have a fear of you know if i do this life i'm gonna sell my home my stuff my life i'm gonna go off and i have to travel for the rest of my life like this is my identity this is my decision forevermore and a lot of people like you do fall in love with travel and you might keep choosing to do that but i love that you guys are having this flexibility of saying like all right, we have this next chapter. We're going to try this. We know we want to do the States and we want to do Europe. And then we think we want to you know, be in a more permanent place in Washington or family. And maybe then you'll kind of bounce back and do smaller. Like it's okay to go and do this and then come back home if that's what you choose or find a new home if that's what you choose. So I really love that this is your story because there's a million different ways to be a digital nomad. And again, it's, it's back to the freedom like if imagine you were back in San Diego with your state park job and you wanted to move to Washington, it's like, how do I do? You know, you have to find a new job there and it's very reliant on your job. So to have remote freedom doesn't mean you always have to be on the move. It means you just get to be and live where you want. And in fact, it's travel. That's cool. So where in Europe are you guys planning to or I know you're a little more open this time, but where's the thought of like the places, you know, you want to get to? Yeah, so we actually, we have it chunked into three different sections. And the reason why is because we had bought Bruce Springsteen tickets because my husband's a Bruce, big <laughs> Bruce Springsteen fan for Paris in May. That's uh, amazing. Yeah, so we originally we were going to go in December, but we didn't realize how difficult it was to obtain a Portuguese visa. It was like, I was mind boggled by it. I was like, oh. How long are you staying there for? So we were originally going to stay um, in the... EU, UK countries for the whole year. Okay. But we're having to be, uh, uh, we're having to be a little Ran bit more into Schengen flexible. zone problems. <laughs> yeah. It's even, it's even beyond a Schengen visa, for UK right? And, yeah. yeah. And so, and because we are kind of doing a mini retirement, like my husband's going to quit his job oh, and I'll just okay. be working kind of like as a consultant, 10, or 
1099 work. Um, okay. And so to to get a visa in that situation is you much... You have to prove your job and income yeah. and yeah. And so and because we're in Canada right now and we have to get it at a certain time before we leave. Right. And I'm like, I can't go to Canadian consulate to get it, right? And so anyways, all that to say is we're going to stay a little bit longer in the States than we were originally thinking. We'll leave in February to, we're going to go to Barcelona first, okay. hang out, do some cool rock climbing in Barcelona. Cool. And then we have family in the south of Portugal. So we'll go stay with them for a little bit. And then we're going to go, we're actually doing part of the Camino, the El Camino de Santiago. Amazing. Um, yeah. The Portuguese route. Yeah, we're going to walk from Portugal to Spain. Um, That's awesome. And then we'll be in France to see Bruce. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I love that your plans are based around that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that's like, we have three months, right? Without a visa, you can stay three months in the Schengen zone. And then we are going to take, we're going to go over to the UK, do like London, Wales, Scotland, and uh, be there for three months, run down the clock. And then we're going to go to Ireland. My husband, his base is Irish. So we're oh. going to check that out. And then I've always wanted to go to Iceland, and I figured since we're already there, yep. <laughs> we're just going to shoot up real quick. Yes. And then that's kind of where it's like we have the rough, like, three different, like, plans, but we don't right. have everything locked yet. So we may go back to Portugal, depending on time, just to see a family right. again, or we may yep. come back. It's like it, 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 it starts to get into, like winter which is like right. cold and it's cold. rainy but portugal still, can still be nice then <laughs> yes yes so remember me in the rain right it's it, don't it's go along well touch or touch and go so we might have to come back to the states or, or back to canada so that's kind yeah. of the, the plan for for next cool. year I love, I love that. I love the flexibility of it and it's interesting and jeff jeff and i did a whole a podcast episode on visas for the most part, as a nomad, most people, you don't really need extended visas or don't run into visa problems if you're staying somewhere kind of 30 days, 60 days, sometimes 90 days. But yeah, in Europe, it can get tricky if you're, you know, staying in these really extended ways. So it's cool that you guys are kind of navigating around that and finding ways to enter like the UK and then do some other places. But that's so fun. And I can't wait to see, like, I, for me, I love traveling with flexibility. Once you get to those places, you'll, you like to meet people who live there locally and they're like, oh my gosh, you have to go to like this little mountain town. Like you could probably never find a research online and you still have the kind of freedom to do that when you slow travel the way that you guys are. So when well, we also had to be like pretty strategic because we don't have a car. So like we're here yeah. in the States, we've been able to be very flexible because we have our Prius there. We had to be, we're like, okay, are we just going to rent car rentals right now? Or like Ash? Yeah, they are a lot right now. And most of the places you can get in the EU or the UK without a car, right? There's the yeah, great transportation. Buses, shout out. Yeah. Shout out to that. <laughs> but we're trying to get to like rock climbing cliffs, right? And so we had to be a little bit more strategic of like where do we enter the country? Where right. do, like where can we buy a car or do we need to buy a car? And then it's a different kind of car in the UK, right? You're on the other side of the road. Other side, other side of the road, side. yeah. And so we're just like, oh, so we haven't quite figured that second leg out yet. But yeah, there's we'll a lot of weird it. logistics that you don't quite think of at first. Yeah. And I love too that there are so many logistics that when you're off the beaten path are harder. Like if you're going through Europe and you're just going to the main cities, it's really easy to train between. But like you said, if you're kind of like going out to mountains and things that are off the beaten path, it does get a little bit harder. But I also love that you guys are sort of basing your nomad life around your your passion, your hobby of, of rock climbing. Like there's people in the world who love kite surfing and they'll go all over the world to find the best kite surfing places or a certain kind of dance and you'll find 
but dance. Or if you love learning language, people might go to different countries to learn language. So it's really fun that rock climbing is your thing. And you've like basically taken this freedom from being able to work anywhere to fuel your passion of rock climbing all over the world, which if you think about, you know, think, imagine yourself back in San Diego, if you had how many weeks of vacation, like paid vacations you used to have working back then? Not, not a lot. <laughs> yeah. Usually it's like two or three weeks or something like that. So imagine all the places you've rock climbed both in the U S and what you're about to do all over the world, all over Europe. Like you could never do that in your, in your whole entire life. You probably would have gone your whole life having done, you know, 5% of those places with the vacation days you're able to get to. So it's something that was really important to me. And a big reason why I became a nomad was, you know, again, whether you love rock climbing or you want to see, I love beaches all over the world, whatever it is, like you could never get to all these places in the world without that freedom to be like, okay, I'm here and I can work during the week. And then we can like go to this next place and work during the week. And it just gives you the freedom to do whatever it is that you love to do. So it's, it's super inspiring. So Thank you for sharing that. And Alex, I guess I want to ask one last question as we're here. If you could give advice to someone who's maybe in a career like you were, maybe they love it. Maybe they love your career because it sounds like you really enjoyed what you were doing, but just wanted the freedom or they're in a career they don't like and want to switch and are kind of like on the fence or thinking they don't know anything about this next career, have the skills, but want to travel the world. What would you say to someone who's kind of in those shoes where you used to be? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's a good question. I think for a lot of people, especially coming from background that I came from, like being a marine scientist, being a park ranger, it becomes like part of your identity, right? Yeah. And that can be really hard to decouple when you're like, oh, I can't, I can't see anything else because this is what I chose to do. It's who I am. <laughs> yeah, it's who I am. It's what I chose to do at 18 years old or what, maybe younger. And like yeah. the world has told me or society has been like, well, this is what you, this is what you said. This is what you're yeah. going to do forever. And just knowing that like there, there are other things in life, right? There, I love the ocean. I love science. I love all these different pieces, but, and now I get to see them probably more. <laughs> That's the irony of it, right? Before I get to do more of it, I get to be yeah. outside. I get to I get to be a more whole person, right? Uh, it's That's not amazing. just I'm not just defined by like what I do, my job, right? I'm yeah, defined by so many other things. I get to kind of make that choice every day. So I think my advice would be just to like I know that's a really hard thing to decouple from to be like this is who I am, but like challenge yourself to like think differently, right? Yeah, to think you might be this and something yeah. else. Thank you for sharing that. And it's interesting as a career coach, a lot of people come to me thinking the hard thing is going to be discovering like, what is it I want to do for my career? And usually in five seconds, I'm like, okay, we can figure out what it is that you love and do, but it's actually the mindset work that you're talking about here, which is saying, okay, I'm going to give up all of these years I put into this past job or all of the schooling or money I paid for this education to do what I'm doing, or it's my identity or my parents really wanted me to be this, or, you know, I'm really proud to say I do this. And, you know, I don't know what this new thing is going to be like. That's usually the, the inner work is that harder part. And I'm so glad you brought that up. Do you mind sharing? Because we didn't talk much about that in the beginning. What did you have to go through as you were sort of mentally and emotionally making this shift from that identity that you have, like as a marine biologist or, you know, as a park ranger and saying, I'm quitting this to do the Salesforce thing that I don't know anything about. Maybe people have never heard of it. What was that identity shift like for you? And how did you overcome that for yourself? Yeah, I mean, I had seen or like reflected a lot in like either other colleagues or just people in the field of like what that 
what that kind of did to them, right? Um, yeah. You could see, like, I mean, science, the process, like, there's there's inevitably that it will fail, right? Like, that your experiments <laughs> will fail, like, and you, you'll learn from that, and that's how the process grows, right? But for some people, when that becomes their identity, it's like, oh, they failed, right? Like, and I just, like, didn't want that for myself. And so for me, it was just being like, oh, there, there are other things in life I want. And, like, that's still a big part of who I am. I don't regret any of it, right? And I still do a lot of yeah. communication, like, science communication, more so, I think, now, probably. That I have so the funny. Space <laughs> and the freedom. Yeah. But I think for me, it was just like, I want more in life. I want to travel. I want to have weekends back. I mean, in my previous career, it was it was a lot, right? It's hard work uh it's a grind and it's great like the the pursuits are amazing but I just wanted to see like what else was out there and it could I be more flexible could I could I choose what every day looked like a little bit more better right Uh, and so for me that's it is hard right it is hard to to do that not saying like oh I just flipped a switch uh that is not the case yeah Um, and now I work with a a lot of people in the talent stacker program who it's like trying to help them bridge that gap as well. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting what I what I heard, just like one little one little sentence that you said, and it's like my job as a coach, I love to like pull out the language that we say is basically like having a life became more important to you than the job and the identity where you're saying, I, I want a life, I want to travel. There's these other things that are important to me and that's became more important than staying, you know, in the identity and shift. And it's it's like almost reminds me of like those little hermit crabs where I don't know if, if I love this analogy. People talk about they have these little shells and you start, if, if a hermit crab, this is like so random. You probably know more about this than me. I don't know why I'm saying this. I was like, like, I know a lot about hermit crabs. Oh my gosh, I was like, I'm telling the wrong part of this. You're probably going to be like, actually, Marissa, that's incorrect. This is what, from, okay, so let me tell you what I've heard and please correct me. Is that like they'll grow only to a certain point in that shell and then they have to like leave it and like be bare and like go out and find a bigger shell to then like keep growing it into it. This is such a, a lame little cliche, but I love it because it does take like leaving that safe little thing that is your identity in your home and all of this and then be like kind of vulnerable and out in the world before you like grow into this next place but did I totally fuck that up or no like, no that's, that good. that's good that's good that seems right to me uh, I was cool. more of a seaweed biologist instead of seaweed but that sounds that sounds great same, and I think it's, I'm sure it's totally does true <laughs> it's totally true like I think the idea, and this comes a lot from the financial independence community that my husband and I kind of like have ingrained ourselves in yeah. of like society will tell you, right? Like you do this, then you do this, then you do yes. this, then you work until you're 65 and you die. And that's like <laughs> dramatic, but like, it's like, oh, like maybe there's, maybe there's another Maybe there's another way. way. And I really yeah. have to hat tip like Bradley here because he is such a big proponent of lifestyle design and yes. has really allowed this for like this path for so many people and he's like so generous in what he provides and what he gives and so I really I really owe a lot to him and Anita as well so I'm grateful that they showed me like hey there's they like shook me out of my 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 this is what society is should telling you you should do right so I appreciate that and it's hard. It's what this podcast is all about to show, you know, whether it's us talking, you know, to each other about nomad life or having amazing guests like you just to show, you know, maybe someone has a very similar background and situation to you, or maybe they're really different, but see themselves in you in some, in some way. And that's the inspiration to say, like, we're all just normal people who most of us had a very traditional path. I was the same as you of like this in college and I did business and the corporate thing. 
And then, you know, I read for me, my, my little spark moment was reading the four hour work week when I was like, what there's, this doesn't have to be this way. No one, no one told me this. I thought I wanted all these things. And then I learned another way. And still to this day, nobody I know from back home and my, I say, you know, my old life, my normal life, my back home life, whatever you want to call it is living as a nomad. And it took so much inner work for me to go against that grain and live a different life. Because like you're saying, you have to find, you know, your, your inspiration was Bradley and talent stacker and finding this other way. And I always tell people now start, start with the end in mind and work your way backwards instead of just saying like, Oh, well, this career works. It's like, I want, I, I will not do anything if it doesn't let me travel. Right. And it may be something that sounds really cool or a job I love, but if it doesn't have that freedom, it doesn't work with my life. And so you want to start with like, what is your life vision? And it might be really different than what society has told you you can do. And then how do you build your life around that? And the one other thing I wanted to say, which you talked a little bit about is that identity, you know, as a marine biologist or whatever career you do, you know, if you're listening, but the language is so interesting. And in the States, especially we say like, I am a marine biologist, right? Am a park ranger and other countries with the way it translates, they say, I do marine biology or I do work as a, you know, park ranger. And so it's not as much an identity in some cultures. It's like, I happen to do this and hopefully I love it, but also, you know, I'm a rock climber. I am a traveler. I am a wife. I am a daughter. I am someone who doesn't like rain. I am someone who, you know, whatever that might be, right. That I've heard from you. So it's really learning, like, what are all these other parts of your identity and, and what's the life you want to live? So thank you for sharing. I don't know, this would be like a whole, a whole thing, but I'm so passionate about it as well. Yeah, no, I mean, and I appreciate It's so funny because as a scientist, I was like trained to question everything. <laughs> Except and for this. I never questioned this, right? Like I never questioned like, oh, is, this, is there another path? And so I think yeah. that that's really important to like have those questions and have that that self-reflection and be like, yeah. is this what I want? Is this what I choose every day? Or is this just because it's easy or just because it's safe? Or yes. And there are like there are seasons of life, right? Like there are times right. when that is what you need to yes. do. Maybe, like I said, we don't have children. Parents Our parents or, are yeah. like well off right now, you know? So it's like we wanted to do this now because yeah. we might be needed in the future to do other yeah. things. So yeah. um, that was kind of the impetus there. It's a great point. And I love that you as a scientist where you're like, I question everything. How did I miss this? It just goes to show how my, I've been in goosebumps all over my body, which always is like the deep truth things, but it just goes to show so deeply that our society and you and I are both US centric, but I think in a lot of societies, we're just so taught to be, you, know, you do this, then you become an employee and you get this, you know, nine to five paycheck or, you know, nine to seven or whatever. You're probably working more hours and you have the home and then you get the kids and like, you know, A, B, C, D, E. And it's like, it was so ingrained in you that you who were trained to question everything didn't even question that until you sort of start to hear other inspiration and then you start to look at it. So I love those questions you asked, which is like, am I doing this because I'm staying safe? Because it's, you know, there, there's so many questions there, but I think probably someone, if you're listening, this is appealing to you. You have a dream to travel. You have a dream to be free, whether that's to travel to your family in another state or country or just to travel the world. So 
Thank you for, you dropped so many words of wisdom. So many great, I think these are all the philosophical questions and like societal things I love to question. So it's so fun to jam on this with you. And for anyone who's interested in the five day challenge that Alex talked about where she was like, what is Salesforce? I've never heard of this to actually saying, I think this is for me. I'm going to join this program. I'm going to get into the Salesforce world as a career. We'll have that in the show notes here for you. And any other last words of wisdom, Alex, before we wrap up? No, I mean, thank you so much for having me. It's been it's been a fun conversation. And I think like for everyone out there who's listening, I, I just actually heard this quote from The Minimalist, who I'm a big fan of their Ooh, podcast I as well. Ooh, a good quote. I'm excited. Uh, <laughs> and Joshua Fields Mid- Milburn, he was like, is it one day or day one? And mm. I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> that is so good. So I, I, guess, I guess I leave that to you as a challenge. Is it is it, I'm going to do this one day? Or is it today going to be day one for you? Yeah. Um, and what are you going to do to make that be. happen? day one of the Salesforce challenge, if that's you or anything else. I love that quote because so many people do say, I know I talk to them where they're like, I'll, yeah, I love that nomad thing, but like, I'm going to do that a year from now. Or like, I'm going to do this for two more years and then I'm going to do that. And I always ask why, why at least get a remote job now. Even if you want to stay where you are, you can have the freedom when you need to. So yes, we'll let today be day one. Alex will be your inspiration. So thank you for that. And yeah, we'll check out the link to join that five-day challenge if that's exciting. And then also feel free to check out beachcommute.com slash email to join our email list of remote job openings, other stuff to start to live this different life. We share lots of fun news and opportunities and we'll catch you next week. Thanks, Alex. Thanks everyone. Bye.